everyone, and welcome to Name Drop San Diego, where we get to know interesting San Diegans doing interesting things. Yes, we know there's so much going on in the world right now, so thanks for spending some time with us. On this episode, we're going to be talking to another podcaster, and I think this might be the first time we've talked to somebody about a podcast on our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I think it is too, but this is definitely a podcast worth talking about. So The Day Shift is a podcast about diversity in medicine, and it hopes to spark discussion and improve practices among physicians, students, and other healthcare professionals. Yes, so DEI is spelled D-E-I, and it stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Considering that is one of the biggest topics of conversation in this country right now, we're excited to share this conversation with someone who is doing meaningful work in that area. His name is Dr. Dirk Gaines. Dr. Gaines, also known as DJ, is a physician for UC San Diego Health, and he pretty recently went through med school, so he brings a great perspective to this subject. Here's our conversation with DJ Gaines. So I wanted to start by borrowing something that you do on your podcast, which I think is really cool. Uh, It's a segment called A Step in Your Shoes, and uh, where you ask your guests uh, something about their background or identity to help you understand their, you know, culture or where they're coming from. So what is something that's core to your identity? So my, so a little bit about my family. So my my father's from from Washington, D.C., and my mother's from Panama. And growing up, she would cook Panamanian food and so something that I, I love um, growing up is fried plantains they call them uh, patacones in, in Panama so essentially if you ever had Cuban food they were like tostones, the same kind of thing and so she would make that and make some like, just chicken kind of stew and we kind of get the plantains and stew and it was great so I still try to make fried plantains here and there it's uh i'm actually not bad at it uh, i just haven't had a chance to do it lately um so i'm uh, yeah i still kind of try to get in touch with that like that's all cooking uh, here and there how did you come up with the a step in your shoes segment it's such a cool idea yeah it was primarily a uh, thought of by one of uh, the folks on the team and the the from my understanding the concept behind it is you know since we want to be uh, inclusive, um, part of that inclusivity is sharing different cultures and different, a- different aspects of growing up. So we just thought it would be an interesting way just to share, learn more about our guests and also to kind of share the different cultures that um, make up uh, the America and the world. So what inspired your podcast? It seems so relevant to the social justice moment that we're living in. Uh, is it actually related to that or did you have the idea before? Uh, this year? Yeah, so I, I can't take credit for coming up with the, the podcast, but uh, I can I can tell you uh, it was it was started by uh, two folks, Puja uh, Jaiyo, uh, who is a resident, and then um, Dr. Kang Nguyen, uh, who is attending in the SoCal area. Uh, they're, both, they're both heavily involved with uh, ACP, the American College of Physicians, and they felt that at the time, there, while there were some podcasts touching on diversity, equity, inclusion, that there, you know, there was a space for that. And both of them are heavily involved in advocacy because they thought it would be a great idea to start on the podcast. So they recruited uh, folks from, you know, undergrad to attendings um, across the whole spectrum. I got recruited um, into that as well. And that's kind of how it was born. So we, uh, we finished our first season and we received some grants from uh, ACP um, 
in uh, American College of Physicians and AMA, um, American Metal Medical Association as well. So it's, it's been growing. It's been fun. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fun work. Why did you want to get involved in it? So the message really struck home for me. I, you know, I was, I know I was, I was talking with you earlier about this, but, you know, growing up, I... I always wanted to be a doctor and it started with my when I was six, my little brother, he's born very premature, like 20, like 23 weeks, I want to say, which is really, really premature. It was definitely a shock to our family. And I really remember the doctors and I thought they were really cool. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'll be a doctor. So, you know, I always had that in mind. And as I kind of got older and a little more aware of kind of race, I guess I started to notice there wasn't a lot of doctors that looked like me. And, you know, my parents always encouraged me to to reach for the stars, essentially, and that you can be whatever you want to be. And that really did help me um, through some, you know, rough moments in, in high school. Um, and then in college, I remember, you know, I went to University of Washington, Seattle College, and I remember seeing, you know, some folks that looked like me. Some, I remember seeing this medical student, this black medical student, I chatted with him. And I think that was the first time I saw a black doctor or, you know, black medical student. And so that really encouraged me and it kind of showed me that it showed me how, how much representation can have, how much effect it can have on an individual, especially someone that's young and aspiring to reach their dreams. So, and then this is kind of a long way to answer your question, uh, but the, the point being is that, you know, as I went through medical school and residency, there's still a lack of representation. And, you know, unfortunately the data is pretty poor, especially with black males that the sheer number of black males has changed very little over the past 20 or 30 years. And despite the increasing number of medical students. And so when I heard about the day shift, um, I, I really, the message really struck home with me because I think it's important to one, just educate people on diversity, equity, inclusion, and then two, just to you know get the message out there um, about some of the issues in the space as well. And there, and there's definitely a lot of the more and more I, I read about, it, there's definitely some historical issues with in medicine in regards to diversity and equity. And it's it's nice to like kind of educate people about it and try to make a change. So based on both your own personal experience and just what you've learned from spending some time on these issues, why would you say um, it's so important to have that representation and have that, um, you know, someone who looks like you uh, in charge of your care? You know, going the, the, the road to medical school is, is long. It's, we're talking, you know, four years undergrad, and I'm sorry, to becoming a physician is long. Four years of undergrad, four years of medical school, and then residency that's like three to seven years or more, depending on what you do. So it's, a, it's a long road. And what happens is that as you go further and further up the chain, you start to notice there's, especially if you're a person of color, that there's less and less people that look like you. And so what happens as a result? You experience um, a lot of implicit bias. You experience a lot of microaggressions. And though these little microaggressions um, you know, the, the severity varies from place to place. Um, and some places are definitely worse than others, but the cumulative effect of all those microaggressions can just lead to, to burnout and can lead to a lot of people dropping out. So 
what representation does, it is essentially just a, it encourages those that are going through the process that, hey, there's someone that probably experienced the same thing that I did and they were able to make it through and able to be, you know, successful. So it's, 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 I think the, the most important thing about representation, just saying is simply just being there is such a big encouragement because like I said, some people will never see, um, although it'll be a long time before they see a black doctor. I actually had a patient comment um, during residency. I saw this patient in, in a clinic and she said, you know, you're the first black resident I've ever seen uh, while being at UCSD, which I was um, in, she was a black patient and she, uh, and I, which I thought was very shocking. Um, so it, it matters and people notice. And I think that's why um, it's such an important issue. Following up on what you said, I mean, what is the solution for getting more uh, people of color into the field of medicine? So that's a, it's a difficult question to answer. And what I can tell you that is not an easy solution. So there's multiple things. One, you have to address the, the pipeline issue. You know, there's not a lot of uh, underrepresented high schoolers um, that are pursuing um, careers in the healthcare field. Now, why is that? There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, you know, some may not believe that they, you know, for reasons I mentioned before, they don't see anyone that looks like them or people tell them they can't do it. So they could be discouraged. Uh, perhaps they've never been exposed to healthcare fields or healthcare careers, and they just, this is something that never crossed their mind. So, there, you know, that there's the pipeline issue. Uh, two, you know, for those that do pursue um, medicine, there is a retention itch issue and that there's a lot of things going on there. Um, some people might get discouraged because of how difficult college is and then they don't have they have no one um, encouraging them to, you know, push through and then they, you know, some people drop out. Uh, you know, two, there might be, um, there has been data showing that, um, for example, in the medical school that there is a retention issue for, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was with the AMC that or some other study. I don't remember the study offhand, but there was a, a retention issue with underrepresented um, medical students. And what they noticed is that they were more likely to take a, a, a leave of absence for whatever reason. So for example, some will experience burnout um, as a result of, you know, stress, um, also due to um, the extracurriculars that they're doing, that they're not getting the, um, I don't want to say attention, but the recognition uh, that they deserve. And then two, you know, some, there is bias um, in, in the medical field in terms of like how they uh, address medical students. So, you know, medical, the uh, University of Washington actually did a very good study on this, um, on uh, bias with evaluations for medical students going through their clerkship. And for, you know, those that don't, those of you that don't know, you know, the first two years, classically, you'll just kind of like lecture-based format in medical school, you kind of do a lot of book work. And then the last two years, you go through clerkships, which essentially you're in the hospital, you're helping the teams. And 
in those settings, you know, a census is the way you get graded is by evaluations by whoever your um, instructor or uh, attending is. And so University of Washington, they did a really nice study where they showed that students of color were more likely to receive poor evaluations compared to their white peers. And it was pretty consistent across the board. They looked at um, a lot of different factors. They looked at because University of Washington, they do um, training across different sites. Did they say, oh, is it because they're in like, you know, different state, like in Idaho or, or Montana? No, it didn't really matter. It was across the, the entire board. And so that stems from, you know, again, that can lead to burnout, that can lead to issues with retention. And then similarly in residency, um, it's, you still get evaluated though, I, I would say it, it's not as, in, it's not as weighted heavily um, because you're already in the residency that you wanna be in. But what happens is that there's this thing concept called minority tax um, and minority tax essentially is the extra, is the, is the result of extra responsibilities placed on primarily people of color to do like work in like the diversity, equity, inclusion space. And so they do all this extra work. And what happens is that they don't get one, they don't get recognized for it. Two, academia um, historically places low emphasis on that kind of work. And then they don't get promoted um, at the same frequency compared to their um, to their not to their white peers. And there's an interesting study on that. And so, you know, kind of, as you can see, like the the answer to that question is very is like wide range. There's so many aspects from every level in order to address the um, the recruitment problem. And so you have to address like every little sphere, and it's not it's not easy. And like, I, I think my best recommendation would be like for institutions wanting to know what's going on, just like you need to ask the questions like, you know, what are we doing to promote DEI work? Are we sharing the responsibility among everybody? Are we just tokenizing a few people? It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's hard and it takes a lot of work, um, but it's, it's definitely doable. Having that, first of all, that just sounds so discouraging, but it's, it sounds, you know, it sounds encouraging that uh, those studies are out there. Like, do you feel like the industry is taking uh, this seriously and trying to make improvements for its students of color? I do. Um, do you feel that way, the tax you described? I mean, you're doing this podcast, you've been asked to do lectures. Do you feel that that's taken a toll on you personally? I mean, you're a physician in your day to day, and yet you're doing this extra work on the side. How do you deal with that and how has it affected you? No, that's an excellent question. And um, I think it's important to ask people that are doing this extra work, like how are, how are they doing? So thanks for asking. Um, I am fortunate that with my current role as chief uh, medical resident that I have less clinical duties. Um, and even, even that, um, I will say that there, there has been time where I felt like I was just doing way too much. And so what, couple of things. One, you know, I've been learning how to say no more often or asking other people to help with certain things. And then I, I'm also very fortunate that the, um, you know, the other chief residents and the other faculty and staff, they're very much aware of this concept of minority tax. And so they offer to help on a lot of things and that's been super helpful. So it it, it is better now, say like first couple, like maybe three, two months or so, it was like a lot of stuff, uh, but now I'm getting like, kind of the hang of it. 
And, you know, I imagine when I have more clinical duties that I'll have to, you know, I'll have maybe less time to do some of the extracurriculars I'm doing, but I, I think I should still be able to have time because I was able to do some of the stuff in, in medical, or sorry, while I was doing in residency, like the high resident residency and doing a lot of clinical, um, like taking care of patients. So I hope I can do that. We'll see. It's it's a lot, to be honest, and um, but I, I enjoy it and I think that's why I can keep doing it. Well, congrats on chief resident. I know that's um, only goes to one person. It's very, I watch Grey's Anatomy. Well, I know it's competitive. Well, it's, so. it's different than Grey's. So Grey's, they, so there's actually seven of us So because we're such a big program. Okay. Uh, to some, be fair, I was making fun of myself for my knowledge of this being from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> you, you know, Grey's is based in, uh, you know, I did my undergrad in med school in Seattle. Seattle. So yeah. yeah. Seattle. And uh, it's, it's, I don't think any of it, they use the image of this old, hospital that's not functioning anymore um in like the earlier uh seasons but it's i watched a couple congrats nonetheless yeah i think (laughs) i watched one episode um there's like a bomb in somebody's body and i was like okay i'm i'm done (laughs) you mean that's not that's not how it is like day to day that's not episodes (laughs) (laughs) oh man no i actually really like to ask that question we had a astronaut on this podcast and we asked her which uh movies and tv shows about space actually reflect it and i've heard that repeatedly that Grey's is not no but you know what the best is actually yeah let's what do you what do you think um scrubs Okay. Really? <laughs> yeah. So the first, uh, I think last year, I started watching like the first two seasons of Scrubs. It is really good. Wow. Like all the the interactions, the um, they use correct medical jargon, and like the disease that they come up with. You know, of course, it's comical. Um, but a lot of it is like very reflective of like residency. Um, I was very surprised, and I wished I watched it more. Um, wow. So I need, I think I'm on season three. What are the biggest um, mistakes that you see? Like, so something that I hate as a journalist is like every time there's a movie with a journalist, they all, they're like an intern, but they live in a penthouse on top of New York City. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like we will never, no, none of us, even the executive editor is never going to live in a penthouse on top of, you know, whatever. Um, And so it's just like, what are things like that you see that are like, no. Uh, one, uh, when they do CPR and they make it look nice and clean and it's not like that in real life <laughs> when someone it's not fun. And I, and I think that actually affects our, affects the physicians because like the, sometimes there'll be some people like, you don't want to do CPR on this person. And like, Oh, they'll come back just like the shows. And it's, no, um, it's, that's one, uh, to, sometimes they'll like, you'll see someone that's like both a surgeon and then they do like, uh, internal medicine they'll do both and I that's not, <laughs> not how it is in uh, reality and then similar to you they're like they're some of them are pretty rich and it's like uh, not that especially the residents uh, no. all right I regret bringing up Bray's Anatomy but there, it was bound to happen <laughs> Dude, I've seen it. 10 no. seasons of that thing okay so but back to the podcast um <laughs> you've talked to so many medical professionals on a variety of topics and I just wondered for those who haven't heard it if you could share you know, what were some of the big wow moments for you or some of the tips or stories that have really blown you away from the podcast? You know, I, I kind of knew, so if I did a, a help co-hosted episode on LGBTQ health and kind of how, um, kind of about discussing the disparities and how physicians can be better about um, interacting with their, their patients. And one thing that actually really struck me um, was 
And I kind of knew this, but hearing um, there is this um, person who is a um, coordinator at a LGBTQ center in Sacramento, and he was sharing a story how, um, you know, some people, especially um, trans, like when they don't hear and when people use their improper pronouns, that it can really have such an effect on their mental health. Uh, to the point of some of them committing suicide and it, it what really struck me is the way he said it, it was that you are like by not using their pronouns you are denying their humanity essentially is the way that he um phrased it and it really struck home with me because um, i knew how important it was but like it, it, it's the same thing as like hearing microaggressions where you hear these like little belittlements over and over and over again in that case is like they're not calling you what you want to be called and it can have such a profound effect on your mental health to the point where like you feel worthless that you're not it's not worth living no one respects you and it really kind of struck home with me and so i i've um you know i now i've been trying i'm i'm i've been good about that but i i think it like really struck home to me the importance of it and how it's you know there's a wide spectrum of people express themselves and that's kind of what makes things interesting it's kind of fun to learn and so like taking that as like a moment to like learn more about that person and like what makes them them is it's really fun and I and I I'm, I'm happy that you know he shared that story and I try to like make a emphasis on that when you know with other people if they misgender them or if I if I do I just you know apologize and you know kind of move forward so it's, that was that that one really struck me yeah, that same episode, I think it was the same guest who um, gently corrected you and your co-host yes. about yes. saying pronouns instead of preferred pronouns. This is something yes. that I learned recently, too. And, you know, you could have cut it out or edited it out, but you chose to leave it because that's what your pod is about. It's about learning. Um, and so I guess my question is, um, what is your advice for like approaching topics that you may not be very familiar with gracefully, you know, without offending anybody? Uh, how do you go about that? the number one thing is you have to be humble you have to you have to be humble you can't come in thinking that oh i'm sure it's like this or that and some people don't realize that they come off like that um for example uh it's kind of similar to mansplaining um in a way where you know some men will come in it's like start there's a woman speaker and they'll start talking over them it's like hey you know sit down listen and that's number one thing with the with your coming if you're talking about a topic that you're not familiar with, just let's listen to the people that either experience the topic or are experts in the topic. Um, to be aware of your biases, which is very important. Um, we all have bias and that's just a result of, you know, how we grew up, society, you know, what have you. And so, you know, be aware of your bias coming in, listen to, you know, whoever you're listening to, be humble, and then like try to change your perspective on things, you know. If, if you had a particular um, thought about how, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. So let's say for, let's say for African-American, like you have a particular thought about like how they perceive um, fitness. I'm trying to think of something very vague, fitness. You know, you had a thought about how they perceive fitness and you come in and then you listen and you're like, oh, maybe, you know, Oh, I was wrong. First of all, my bias was wrong. Two, okay, I'm trying to shift my perspective. Okay, now I see the perspective they're coming from. And so I guess my point is, is that like when you're listening to these, you know, or in, in a discussion with something you're not familiar with or uncomfortable with, just like 
try to like put yourself in their shoes and try to, you know, do it in the, and mentally, but try to also have that emotional aspect too, when you're putting yourself in their shoe, like imagine how you would feel if you had that particular mindset and if things were said to you in like a negative way. So I think that's kind of how I approach it. Um, and then another thing um, is if you make a mistake, just say, you know, to, to say sorry. Um, and, you know, depending on the severity of mistake, you know, try to try not to like keep to move on. Like, for example, how or try to try to move on. Um, that's not always the case. And so case by case basis. But as you saw with that, the podcast, you know, he um, a little background, like he, so we actually stopped and we're like, hey, should we were discussing back and forth like should we include this and um you know we uh, we talked with the um the guest and you know he's like we were like you know we should include this just to show how you can have an open discussion with people that you are topics that you're not familiar with so um i think it's just like you know i said be humble you know apologize and then try to better yourself one thing I, I like about your podcast is I know it is primarily for physicians about how to get better at your craft, but at least the LGBT episode, I think they're takeaways for just people too, right? So something one of the doctors said that stuck with me, um, you know, when approaching a patient who's who's trans and maybe you don't know about that much about that, just to say like, hey, I don't know much about this, but I want to take care of you in the best way possible. So I'm going to do my best to learn, you know, and really and serve you in this, that way. And I'm like, I feel like that's relevant to us as journalists. That's relevant mm -hmm. to us as people like hey i'm sorry i don't know that much about this but like i definitely want to learn so that it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool yeah definitely and and you know the thing with with uh, physicians is that they go through medical school and they go through all this training and then you are kind of like in this like role where like you are in charge of this person's care and so what happens with some people is that they feel like they have to know everything and when they don't it bothers them and they can just be like oh either dismiss something or just you know can become off as rude and i think you know the best physicians are the one that can admit what they don't know and be open to learning new things and i think that's you know that can go across all fields not just medicine so we want to get to know you a little better you're an internal medicine specialist at ucsd what does that mean exactly to those who don't know and why did you choose that yeah so internal medicine is a very very broad field of medicine so essentially it touches on all the disease processes in the body and what we do is intervene in like a non-surgical way for the most part um, as opposed to like surgeons who go in an operating room and they operate a particular effect like disease body part um, and so internal medicine is a little more, um, one, you know, is, is a pretty broad base. Um, you, you do most, you treat adults primarily and, and, um, so you don't see a lot of, uh, if any children or, um, teenagers and because it's such a broad base, you can handle a broad, you know, a wide variety of issues that may come your way. Some people may choose to specialize in a particular field, um, for example, cardiology, um, pulmonology, gastroenterology, um, or you can say general, which was what I decided to do. Um, why I chose internal medicine? In, uh, in medical school, the third year medical school, like I mentioned before, how you do your clerkships in the third and fourth year. Um, when I did my internal medicine clerkship, I was just really um, 
the internal medicine doctors when I was on the wards, they, they really just surprised me like how knowledgeable they were and how they could take like a few symptoms and come up with such a wide variety of causes that could be causing their um, symptoms, which I thought was really cool. And I kind of like how you can, you know, you talk with a patient, get to know them a little bit, and then you can make them feel better. And then you can kind of see, you keep doing that with a lot of people. So I really enjoy that aspect of um, internal medicine. It's, 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 it's great. It's, it's, uh, you can do a wide variety of things. And also a lot of, um, you, you can have opportunities to do extracurriculars like I'm doing now and like affect kind of like the, you can do more advocacy in like the medical setting. Um, so yeah, I like it. In my defense, I knew what internal medicine was because of Grey's Anatomy. So <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, what have been some of the bigger moments for you through your medical school journey, um, that really made you certain that this was the right job for you, but also the things that you found that have been challenges? Yeah. So I, so medical school is hard. It's, you know, you, you work so hard in college, you finally get into medical school and then, you know, some reality set in. One is that you have all these tests that you have to do and some of these tests have huge implications on like the career field you can choose later on in life and the stress of doing those tests is is pretty immense and like people will some people have you know um harmed themselves because they're just so stressed out by those tests um for me what was super stressful was the third year clerkships um i struggled um with my first several ones i was telling <laughs> I was telling a story to um, some, I was trying to encourage some uh, medical students how my very first clerkship, um, I, I didn't, you know, I just, well, I was in the, I was in the classroom. I'd never really been in the hospital. I've been in a hospital. I'd never like been the provider in a hospital. And I was doing the surgery clerkship. Uh, I saw a patient with a surgeon. And then next day I met, met with a surgeon. The surgeon was like, okay, uh, how's the patient doing this morning? I was like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, and people who go into medicine will laugh because it's implied that you're supposed to see your patients every day. No one has, no one never told me that. Um, and so this actually kind of brings up a concept of like the hidden curriculum, um, which I struggle with where, you know, there's all these untold rules that you don't necessarily learn unless that one, like maybe you grew up around a physician or you um, have friends that are doctors or what have you. And it can cause a lot of stress and that caused a lot of stress for me. So to be honest, I really struggled for like the first three or four months of my clerkships. I just didn't know how to be a doctor. I, I didn't know how to gather information. I didn't know how to present um, correctly. And I was struggling with like some of my evaluations. And then it kind of all came to a head um, when, uh, you know, my, my mother, unfortunately, she had a stroke the night before my OB-GYN test and the OB-GYN rotation, I, I, I wasn't sure if I was doing well. And so I was just like, you know, what am I doing? This is terrible. Um, I didn't sleep that night, obviously. She, um, fast forward, she's, she's perfectly fine. And we were very lucky um, that we were able to catch it early. Um, and so I remember she told me, I was like, hey mom, she doesn't remember this because she was out of it. Like, hey, should I take this test? And she said, she mumbled yes and I was like okay so I took the test and I actually and I actually did very that was like the first time I got there usually it's um like pass high pass and honors and most evaluations that was the first time I got honors 
And after that, I was just, I was kind of on a roll because it, it was, um, it just showed me that I could do it if I put my, if, if I put my heart into it, but you know, also I can't, I couldn't blame myself for just not knowing things. I was just never taught, you know, I, I none of my parents were in the medical field. Um, I didn't know I was supposed to go see the patient. Yeah. Like <laughs> how, is, how are you yeah. supposed to learn that? You're just supposed to know it's the hidden curriculum. That's the whole, <laughs> that's the whole point. Wow. And it, it's, it, it is frustrating. So, and, and I think, you know, um, perhaps, I'm sure they teach that in like your, your, um, there's some schools I'll do clerkship preparation where they'll teach you what to do. And it just, and I think, and I'm, I'm trying to remember if they did or not in my school uh, at the time, but regardless, you know, there's some things you just don't learn. You, you, I, you They teach you how to present, but there's like a way to do it. And you have, the way you learn is just through going through the process. And some people pick it up quickly and some people don't. And that's a huge source of frustration. And can lead and leads to a lot of burnout, especially in the third year. A lot of people will take a uh, leave of absence because it's just so difficult. Um, what's something that, as uh, we would be on the patient side of most of these interactions, but what's something you feel like people don't know about physicians that you wish they did? We don't get paid for giving you vaccines. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> or a, oh, yeah. a lot of people think like, a, you know, we're trying to give you these generic drugs and now we get some sort of kickback. That's not true. Um, there, there are exceptions to that, but for them, I would say, no, that's, that's a big thing too. Um, some people think that we should know the answers to everything. And a lot of times we don't. And so it's not, some people think we're just not doing the right tests or that we're not looking hard enough. Um, but sometimes we just don't know the answer to someone's problem. You know, for, I, I remember this patient I had um, that um, had like these kind of vague abdominal complaints and we did a huge workup on this patient and we still didn't know what's going on and they were obviously frustrated because they thought you're a doctor you should know what's going on and just the fact is like there's a limitation to um, the current medical knowledge right now and we just can't know everything and so it, it's frustrating for us too because we want to be able to help uh, our patients, you know, we took a Hippocratic oath to help our patients and it's, it's frustrating to not know everything. And sometimes we just don't. And a lot of people just try their best and that can be very frustrating for patients and for providers. Yeah. From the patient side, I mean, how can patients advocate for themselves to get doctors that, you know, understand their backgrounds and they might identify with more? What advice do you have on that? So there, you know, one, um, ask any of, you know, people in your, in your social, in your, um, in your circle, uh, if they know of any providers that might fit your cultural background. There's also a lot of institutions will have, um, I think it's called like patient advocacy um, committee or something where, you know, you could talk. Usually that's done in when you are, um, the victim of like perhaps being treated poorly by a physician, but I believe you can call them and they have some resources and they can probably direct you in that way. Um, and sometimes if you have a PC, like if you trust your primary doctor or, or you feel like you could ask them, you can just ask them like, Hey, do you know of anyone from this particular culture background? Um, I'm trying to think if there's some sort of like resource online, um, but I just, I don't think there is. I think you have to kind of just, do a lot of Google searching. 
Um, okay, so final question for you, because this is called name drop, we like to ask um, people to name drop someone in this community who has, you know, helped you along the way or just someone that you think um, deserves a shout out. So who would that person be for you? Name drop. Let me think. There's a lot of people. So I'm going to name drop um, the program director for the internal medicine residency program. Her name is uh, Dr. Simrajat Jassel. Uh, she is an amazing advocate and she exemplifies like what it means to be an awesome program director. She is so caring to her residents. And also she's very, what I really appreciate is that she's been like such a huge proponent of the these um, diversity, equity, inclusion kind of initiatives that she will help um, on her free time to help with some of the things um, in, that, in that field. Um, she will contact others. She's like been trying to get uh, more speakers from other institutions to speak to us about these various topics. So she's um, she puts so much effort into our residency program, and I really do appreciate her for that. So I am name dropping Dr. Jassel. Awesome. Well, uh, Dr. DJ Gaines, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you. It was my pleasure. You guys are, are are awesome. This was fun. Thanks to everyone who joined us, and I'm so sorry I had to bring up Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want less pop culture references, or if you liked us talking to another podcaster, please send us some feedback at namedropsd at gmail.com. Also, let me know if you watch that show because we'll be friends. Yeah, I was going to say, personally, I would vote for more pop culture re references because that was one of my favorite parts of the interview. Um, you can also reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching Name Drop SD. And please be sure to rate and review us on your listening app. We'd love to hear your feedback. Special thank you to all the medical professionals right now helping us through the COVID-19 pandemic. Obviously, Grey's Anatomy is the extent of my medical knowledge, so we're grateful to everyone who really knows what they're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks, and see you next time.